Hi everybody, welcome to Bimbo Summit. This episode is brought to you by Matrice, the mattress for you in our troubled times. Matrice features one big spring in the middle made of a revolutionary new polymer, maximum buoyancy, especially in the center quadrant. Where the other guys get it wrong is they put either no springs or mini springs dispersed throughout the mattress. You'd only need one if it's quality. One thing that's so classic about it too that I immediately noticed is the Corinthian structural elements at the base and the corners. It really gives you the sense of being in ancient Corinthia. <laughs> With our promotional deal, type in BIMBO SDL 2641-2020 is our promo code. You will get an optional power supply <laughs> uh, for additional odor reduction. One of the coolest things about Matrice is that it is the quietest mattress ever with an anti acoustic gel a little bit of an additional cost for you but it's totally worth it is the optional spray on oil treatment for uh, reducing smells and scents check it out you guys you won't regret it i sleep four hours a night but they're the best four hours i uh, of my day absolutely so yeah <laughs> check them out uh love you guys wow so excited about your fart infused mattress <laughs> Welcome to Bimbo Summit. This is the podcast where three childhood best friends discuss things like Adam Sandler, Hubie Halloween, gamer shit, sores, rashes, weights, various lumps. Whoa, 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 whoa. That sounds like Himbo Summit, and today's not a very himbo day in our podcast. Oh, yeah. What we have on the docket today is a little too refined for himbos. Sorry, Dylan. You might have to sit this one out. All right. It's been real. See you guys later. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you a himbo with refinement? Absolutely not. Like Keanu Reeves? No. Mm. I'm both mean and uneducated. <laughs> we should do a promo for the Discord where we're like, Hotboards.chat was taken down by the government. <laughs> However, the Hotboards community lives on. It's a Discord. It's for gamers originally, but it's not now. What's Discord? We don't know. <laughs> Some guys told us about it. I've had to go to Discord, but it turns out I like it even better. My old community with modern features. You just say your name's Germanda Priestley. Who? The spokeswoman of Hotboards. Hi, I'm Germanda Priestley. <laughs> Ever since my website, Hotboards.chat, got taken down for crimes. Germaine Dupree? <laughs> Ever since our website got taken down for accidentally inventing QAnon, we just didn't really know where to go. But then we found Discord, a place where everyone is honest and nobody talks about QAnon. Hi, I'm Germaine Dupree. <laughs> Owner and operator of Hotboards. When Comet Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. filed a federal injunction against Hotboards.com, I thought we were finished. <laughs> However, Discord has been so good to take us in as long as we promise to be really, really good. So check out our board. Check out Comet Pizza. Don't worry about the Wayfair thing. And just come chat. Today is a sort of audiovisual podcast, which certainly does not lend itself to the medium, but you can follow along by joining our Discord or following us on Instagram. Do you think John Wayne Gacy constantly painting clowns is just is kind of more of a form of like marketing than than artistic expression? <laughs> because like That's a really good that's a really good comment. Thanks, Sarah. Because he was a businessman. Yeah, he was a businessman and he he's a famous, notorious clown killer. 
you think that you know if he was expressing things he felt he would make artwork that wasn't just like it seems like very like i'm a scary clown murderer and i'm gonna paint scary clowns from jail and i do want to clear up that john wayne gacy did not dress as a clown to murder people (laughs) these are two separate areas of his life because people talk about john wayne gacy and they're like oh yeah pogo the clown it really makes it sound like he would get dressed up as a clown and murder people just like sort of the you know the clown hoax or a mass hysteria from a couple years ago john wayne gacy did dress as pogo the clown um his most common painting subject also his own uh, alter ego he also dressed as patches the clown um and he would do that like at parties you know with children and stuff like that and then he also killed people but i don't think there was a whole lot of intersection between those two activities perhaps psychologically but not literally i'm now looking at this piece that john wayne gacy once made called sex skull oh now we're talking it's like that um oh fuck man ray is it man ray who did that one you know it looks like a skull but it's a bunch of women so, as we said, Chicago area, small businessman, clown, and serial killer. His victim count is a matter of contention because um, he killed at least 33 people. There are many more that he may have killed. Um, and a lot of his victims have never been identified because by the time they found all of the bodies, which were all in the foundation of one of his houses, um, it was much too late to find them. He tended to kill young gay men who often had like run away from home. Um, and were estranged from their family. So there were many people who were never identified. Uh, his full victim count and the identities of those victims are something that is like still being actively investigated, as far as I know. Um, but he, would, he had a construction contracting company, and he would hire young boys through that company and kill them. So 33 presumed victims, probably more. He really liked to um, play with the police. He was like a well-known person in the town. Um, sort of a notable local guy sort of like if ken nunn started murdering people that kind of thing um if if wait i should cut that i should not talk about a lawyer ken nunn is our our that's asking for trouble for those of you non non southern indiana listeners don't even explain it because we're cutting ken it nunn is our local ambulance chasing injury lawyer who likes to drive around town in a convertible slowly and wave to people don't say bad things about a lawyer. He'll sue us. What's we have him do? on retainer. You didn't say he was a oh murderer. God. You said kind of like Ken Nunn, if, the murderer. If. The, the local murderer, Ken Nunn. Now he's going to sue you. Yeah, bring it on. Oh, my God. One time allegedly. I, allegedly. On, allegedly. As long as you say allegedly, you're fine. It's like if a prominent local businessman in your small community was maybe killing people and the cops definitely knew it was him, but they couldn't prove it. So they just followed him around and he knew that he was being followed. So he did things to mess with the cops and would like rub their faces in it. That was his vibe. He really loved the uh, the chase. I'll fight you to the Supreme Court, Ken. You're never going to take <laughs> me down. Never. Oh my God. Okay. So that's John Wayne Gacy. Ken. Dylan, any thoughts on, on uh, our boy? Wait, uh, he's not our boy. He's very bad. He's definitely not our Ken boy. Ken I love he Ken He also Nunn. did several. <laughs> so John Wayne Gacy also did several portraits of Gigi Allen, who is another, uh, what's the word, Sarah? Um, uh, big old creep. Yeah, another big old creep. Uh, didn't he kill didn't anyone. Murder anyone, but he's yeah. but he's definitely been accused of some certainly unsavory things. So yeah. it's quite disturbing to know that someone 
like Gigi Allen <laughs> is anywhere on John Wayne Gacy's radar. That also, they were, according to one of our listeners, friends. <laughs> and in the, I guess the Gigi Allen documentary that Todd Phillips, maker of Izzy's favorite movie Joker, um, made oh, one of his first works. Uh, one of his first movies is a documentary about Gigi Allen, and I think in that documentary his relationship with John Wayne Gacy in prison, they have some kind of correspondence, is discussed. And so he made a picture of Gigi Allen's uh, coffin from Gigi Allen's famous funeral. There's another reason to dislike Gigi Allen, which is that um, Longmont Potion Castle doesn't like him. That's fair. John Wayne Gacy being into Gigi Allen also seems like just sort of a calculated extension of his brand. Like... Like, mm-hmm. like, totally. Like, I mean, a way to stay relevant. I'm assuming this is like when Gigi Allen was alive and people were talking about Gigi Allen. Um, but doesn't yeah. it seem like, yeah. oh, the edgiest musician in the world? Like, I'm going to be friends with it. It's like a mutually beneficial arrangement. Like that. Yeah, two right, edge lords right. coming together to corner each other's edge lord markets. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as for the painting itself, I feel like this is in every dive bar slash like weird punk house bathroom I've ever been in. You know what I mean? Yeah, it looks like deliberate kit. Exactly, yeah. This this looks like some something that somebody painted to look like it was like a Goodwill find. But really, yeah. they painted it to be weird. Um, and uh, I hate it. I think John Wayne Gacy is a hack as an artist and as a murderer. <laughs> Whoa. Let's just move on to the star of the show, which is that Charles Manson made yarn sculptures. Yeah, this is really, like, unbelievably... I can't believe I didn't know this. Like, you know, I've read Helter Skelter. I've listened to the musical works of Charles Manson. I knew nothing about his yarn bombing activities. (laughs) Do you think Charles Manson is the original yarn bomber? So you have asserted in our Discord server that Charles Manson is the original, (laughs) the first yarn bomber. And I'm going to go ahead and say that, yes, I think unequivocally and without a doubt, this is the first incidence... Documented incidents of yarn bombing um, in the world. And I think it really sets the tone for why people shouldn't do any fucking yarn bombing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if you yarn bomb, you're basically as bad as Charles Manson. Yeah, it's a cancelable offense. It is on par with uh, persuading a bunch of high teenagers to murder someone. And I'm going to have you prosecuted. I'm the Vincent Bugliosi of yarn bombing. I won't stand for it. And I'm going to convince the jury that you should go to jail if you do it. You know, he was a man of many, I'm not going to say talents, but quite a few hobbies and activities. He liked to write songs. I've seen some of his drawings before. Um, He was a prolific prison letter writer. Lots of people have letters from Charles Manson. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people in prison write letters because there's nothing to do, but his letters are, like, pretty wild. As you might expect, I did not know about the yarn activities. This is, like... So we should describe what it looks. You should describe what it looks like. Okay, so it is a scorpion made out of yarn or string. I can't tell from the picture the scale. It says approximately eight by five by one. So it's actually a very small sculpture, but it is listed for twelve hundred dollars. Um, so it's a scorpion, and it's made out of. It looks like it's there's some technique to it. Um, like a braiding technique to blend the colors together. It's a a bright green and a, like a fire engine red color with a little bit of blue strands in the middle, but it, it certainly does look just like a scorpion. Yeah, this doesn't look like the first thing he's ever made out of yarn. 
<laughs> yeah. This looks like someone who's had some experience in the medium. Right, right. When I yeah. first saw this, I was immediately captivated by it. Uh, I think mostly because I didn't understand <laughs> it. I didn't read the description that uh, you posted. And I saw this and I thought that in my brain, this was um, maybe like four feet long and like one foot high. <laughs> I, I thought it was like basically yeah. the size of like an ottoman. Um, and yeah, I thought that was the floor yeah, underneath. I it. thought that was the floor, and I also um, it looked so much like hair. It looked so much like mm. um, like bad, colorful, like hot topic hair extensions. Uh, yes, and I God. thought, and I thought, I want this in my home, and twelve hundred dollars doesn't seem that unreasonable of a price. And I, for a moment, thought, hey, I have twelve hundred dollars, like. I want a yarn scorpion made by Charles Manson for my living room. And then I read the description and, you know, thought about myself and my life and how I'm doing. And I decided against it very quickly. But yeah, it's. I think it's sold also. Damn it. Yeah. It's captivating in a way. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting work. Yeah. You know, um, I guess if, if anyone is not aware of who Charles Manson is, so Charles Manson was a petty criminal who kind of ping-ponged around uh, Ohio, West Virginia, Indiana as a child, was incarcerated in a very abusive and scary um, Indiana boys' prison uh, oh, for much God, of his youth. Spent, yeah, spent the vast majority of his life, you know, fine. so he was released kind of at the height of the 60s, like Summer of Love, but prior to that, he had spent almost all of his life, not just his adult life, in some form of incarceration or juvenile detention. So he was very much like made by uh, a sort of 1940s, 1950s, very brutal prison system. He learned to play guitar in jail, got out of jail, um, was in like Haight-Ashbury, San Francisco, started sort of recruiting women to be his girlfriends in a very non-exclusive fashion. Oh, God. Um, and before you knew it, he had a little coterie of girls who he took out to Death Valley. There were some guys there, too. Um, and all the while, while this was happening and he was sort of cultivating this group of followers, he was also trying very hard to become a famous musician. And um, some of the things he did were he made friends with Terry Melcher, who was Doris Day's son. Uh, and he also made friends famously with Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. Both of those guys uh, tried to distance themselves from him. But not oh not until That's after they had so yeah given him enough of the time of day that uh, he felt like they owed him something. So the Beach Boys, the, he got really mad at Brian Wilson because the Beach Boys recorded one of his songs called Cease to Exist, which is a pretty good what? Beach Boys song. Yeah, Cease to Exist by the Beach Boys. So Dennis brought the song to the group. They were like, I don't know, man. This is weird. This song has <laughs> fucked up lyrics. Dennis changed some of the lyrics. Um but the most prominent, the chorus of the song, uh, one of the things he says is, submission is a gift, give it to your lover. Which, oh you know, I don't God. even necessarily disagree with as a sort of mutual and consensual act. I don't think that's how Charles Manson meant it. I don't think it's how Dennis Wilson meant it either. Um, yeah, so, like from, from, the, from the mouths of the Beach Boys, I really think it's romantic. Sure, but from the mouth of Charles Manson, I find it um, deeply upsetting. (laughs) Right, he means like a sort of manipulative, uh, unquestioning submission to a total psycho, not like the sort of um, 
mutual submission that is a necessary and healthy part of of any relationship with really any other person who you're close to. Um, I think we have different ideas of, of, of what it means, you know, to submit. Yeah, that's fucking gross so, no matter what. Whoa, hard stance. <laughs> yep. Um, so part of what made Charles Manson so mad was that Dennis Wilson changed some of the lyrics. And Dennis Wilson, there's some evidence that Charles Manson w- was going to try to have Dennis Wilson killed. They d- His followers what? did show up at Dennis Wilson's house when he wasn't there uh, and kind of looked around. Uh, Dennis Wilson really felt like he missed a bullet. So what did end up happening is Charles Manson's followers, and this is like a very famous story. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. If you want to know about it, read Helter Skelter. It's an amazing book. Um, but Doris Day's son, uh, Terry Melcher, was a music producer who Charles Manson had like tried to get the attention of. Terry Melcher was, was like, this guy's, Terry Melcher was like, this guy's crazy. Um, stop talking to him. And the house where Terry Melcher had lived before was where the Tate murders ended up happening. So Charles Manson sent his followers up to this house. It's not clear if he knew whether Terry Melcher still lived there or not. He probably didn't. Um, or he probably did know that he didn't live there anymore and just sent them up as a way of like really scaring Terry Melcher. He had told his followers this whole... Uh, he had this whole theory called Helter Skelter that there was going to be a race war... And that black people would win the race war, but he and his followers were going to find a hole in Death Valley and live there for a couple thousand years, sustaining themselves on... A hole? Yeah, a hole. A hole in the ground. Um, (laughs) And when they emerged from the hole, the race war would be over, the black people would have won, but they, as the uh, dominant and superior race, would now have dominion over everyone else in the world. So that's what he told Seems people. Rational. Whether or not he actually believed this uh, is highly questionable. I think he probably didn't. But basically, he would dose people with LSD and tell them, like, we got to go find the hole in the ground so that we can rule the world, <laughs> oh you know, later. And he would, like, take them on these trips to go look for this hole. And they would, like, you know, get really thirsty because it's Death Valley and almost die. Oh um, so Charles Manson, there's some evidence that he did kill a few people himself. There was... Um, Oh, I shouldn't, like, go too into this because I can't remember the details. Yeah, what if he sues you? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, first Ken Nunn, then Charles Manson. What a nightmare. What a disgrace. No, what a, I mean, what an honor to be sued by either of those two idiots. Love you, Ken. I've got uh, enemies in high places. So, um, Charles Manson may or may not have killed some people himself, but he did definitely uh, coerce or at least suggest to his very stupid, highly suggestible followers that they go p- kill people on his behalf, which they did. And he was at um, some of, he wasn't at the Tate murder. He was at the LaBianca murder, I think very briefly, but not while they were killing people. Um, there's still a lot of contention over whether or not he should have been held responsible for the decisions of other people. It brings up interesting questions about free will. Um, but Vincent Bugliosi, the prosecutor, successfully argued that he should be charged with murder for compelling other people to kill on his behalf. And that is what he went to prison for. He didn't go to prison for the possible alleged other murders. Um, there's a lot of interesting history there. Uh, if uh, DM us if you want some suggestions. I could talk about Charles Manson for days and days. An didn't Dennis Manson. Wilson punch... I, I, heard, Did Den- I heard that Dennis Wilson punched Charles Manson at one point over... Well, because of the song, so uh, my sources, which I believe, uh, I believe it's uh, 
my sources are pretty solid. Uh, I think my girlfriend listened to a podcast and then told me about it. So I think that's pretty, <laughs> that's like, that's a primary source. But from what yeah. I was, from what I understood was that Dennis Wilson, and maybe this is just Dennis Wilson covering his ass after Charles Manson became a notorious murderer, but Dennis, right. Dennis Wilson apparently claimed that he never wanted to do the song, but he was friends with Charles Manson and Charles Manson, he felt like bad for him for being, you know, a, a hack and a tryhard, and um, so he agreed to take the song to the Beach Boys, but he had to like heavily edit it because it sucked. And then when he did heavily edit it, that's and true. then when Charles Manson found out that it was heavily edited, he apparently just showed up at um, he showed up at Dennis Wilson's house with like um, with a uh, I think we had a, he had a gun or something. He was like threatening Dennis Wilson. He showed him a bullet. oh with a bullet yeah. But mm-hmm. apparently, from what I was told, Dennis Wilson was extremely hungover and had done a bunch of cocaine the night before and was just not in the mood. And apparently it became physical and he punched Charles Manson and that was kind of their falling out. Uh, yeah, that's that's what he says about it. And it, it, it must have been very scary in retrospect to realize that, like, this guy who threatened to kill you definitely killed yeah. people for way yeah. less than what Dennis yeah, Wilson Yeah, like, we've done. all had weird guys show us bullets before, but, like, you know, they're all <laughs> sure. talk, you know? They're never actually a real murderer. And right. it turns out they are. Um, if you want to listen to the Beach Boys song, so the the Charles Manson song is called Cease to Exist. It was retitled Never Learn Not to Love um, as a Beach Boys song. So that's worth looking into, I think. It's a good song, um, you know, creepy lyrics but that's that's not bad and um should we should we listen to a selection a brief selection of charles manson musical sure. works music is a form of art after all walk on walk on i love you pretty girl my life is yours and you can have my world It's got those classic Beach Boys harmonies that we love so much. This is a song that Charles Manson wrote for his followers to sing. It is very scary. It's a, it's a real, uh, real creepy track, but also I would say a pretty good song. Valley of death and I'll find you Now is when on the sunshine beam So bring only your perfection For there must will surely be No cold, pain, fear, or hunger Oh, the you laughing is so creepy. Mm-hmm, the sound of, like, babies in the background and girls giggling and stuff. <laughs> I like it because it really sounds like if someone decided they wanted to write a scary song for some girls in a cult to sing... It would be this. And they didn't even, like, they didn't even know they were in a cult yet. They created the archetype. Sometimes I think about, like, regular people in the 60s just just being like, what the fuck is going? Are you also, like, just, <laughs> are you serious? Like, I, I like to think about just regular people trying to figure out why the fuck everyone lost their minds. Yeah, it must have been weird to be a person who was sort of, like, skeptical or a non-joiner. Yeah. To, like, I've talked about this with my dad because he was... Let's see, he was, like, in his mid-20s, in his late... He was in his late 20s by the end of the 60s when things were, like, really taking off. And he was, like, pretty politically aware and, and 
uh, had his finger on the pulse, but he definitely like wasn't a hippie. And I've been like, why, you know, why weren't you a hippie? And he was like, because those people were embarrassing. <laughs> like they were all just doing the same thing as each other, and it wasn't very cool. They were posting cringe. They were posting cringe. Yeah, the original cringe posters, hippies. That's right. <laughs> oh god, that's hilarious. Sarah, could you tell us a little bit about Ed Kemper and his pottery? So Ed Kemper was a California serial killer in the mid-1970s. He was known commonly as a co-ed killer. His first murder was he killed both of his grandparents when he was 15. Uh, He had a very contentious relationship with his mother, don't they all? Uh, And most of his killings seemed to be some kind of a a way of sublimating his rage towards his mom, who uh, he finally murdered. After having killed, you know, a bunch of teenagers. How many did he kill? He killed, he has 10 victims in total. So he killed eight co-eds, girls who were like hitchhiking along the side of the road in California. And then came back home uh, one night. He, I'm not sure exactly how long the spree, that it, that it lasted. But he was killing people for a few years. About a year and a half long period. Uh, he came back home, he killed his mom's friend who was over. And then he killed his mom. And after he killed his mom, he was like, all right, I'm done. And he called the cops and he turned himself in. So uh, a real interesting one, Ed Kemper. He went to jail, I think, by the time he was in his early 20s. He was already in prison. He's been in prison since. He's still alive. Um, Ed Kemper is six foot nine, uncommonly well-spoken for a serial killer, um, a pretty advanced psychopath in the sense that he's really good at uh, simulating being a thoughtful and empathetic and sensitive person. He's not. Um I mean, he is intelligent, but he, um, one of the reasons why he's so famous is that he provided early, uh, profilers with some of the information that was really vital to them being able to sort of understand the minds of serial killers. He was very candid about his thought process and he didn't, he wasn't really a fabulist in the way that most serial killers are, where they kind of talk themselves up or they won't talk about their motives and they won't say anything humiliating like oh i did it because i hate my mom because they know that that sounds cucked he was pretty honest about how cucked he was or how cucked he felt um so ed kemper has had a pretty successful prison career uh he was sort of he's been a model prisoner and some of his main activities are he is in charge or at some point was in charge of patient or of um like inmate inmate social programs and inmate outreach programs so he like uh would assign all the different prisoners to like various hobbies and let them go to different rooms and stuff uh his two main activities in prison are recording audiobooks for the blind so most of the early audiobooks this is not true anymore but i think in the 80s most of the audiobooks recorded were recorded from prison by Ed Kemper That's so disturbing and his other interest it's Whoa. yeah, I mean like so many people listened to audiobooks that were recorded by Ed Kemper without knowing that the guy who recorded their audiobooks had beheaded his own mother and fucked her skull. So sorry to the blind. So Ed Kemper, his other main hobby is pottery, which I didn't know about until pretty recently, and his pottery work is a uh, pretty interesting. So the first piece we looked at was a pretty normal looking mug. Izzy, would you like to comment? I don't even know where to, where to begin, but it's a mug with a huge handle and it's like, it's misshapen and I think there's supposed to be grips for it, but it's like an inhuman type grip handle. 
Um, and I, I do take umbrage with every aspect of this mug, from the Ibanez style handle to the sloppy glaze finish. It is deeply unsettling. It's a deeply unsettling mug. I mean, at first glance, the the cylinder part of the mug is like pretty normal, though sloppy, as you said. But the handle is like oversized. It's probably the size of his hand, yeah. which he's six foot nine, is I'm sure huge and terrifying. Um. It really looks like shit. I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's it is honestly disturbing. It's really really ugly. Was it you? You called it an an Ibanez style handle? Yeah, yeah. You know those Ibanez metal guitars where there'd be a there'd yeah. be a handle in the guitar. Yeah, that killed That's me. That's kind of what it looks that like. Me. It Ooh. does look like that. Yeah, it's got an Ibanez handle in it. Awful. I I'm so conflicted about this one. Definitely on the face of it, the most disturbing of all his works. That big, big handle. It's it looks almost like it has like an HR Giger kind of vibe. Like it looks uh, like the Predator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This mug and the other ones that you posted, they're just like I kinda like how weird they are and I kinda like the freaky handle, but like mm-hmm. they're also like I don't know how it's possible, but they're kind of like cloying. One time for Christmas, you got me a mug with a fake gun for a handle. It said... (laughs) It said boss with dollar signs. I was Mm. a big fan of that mug. Uh, That was the year that 100% of my Christmas gifts were from Spencer's Gifts in the mall. (laughs) This pottery, I don't know if it's possible, but I think it's like meant to irritate you. Yeah. Like this pottery to me, this says like, yeah, I know, I know it's weird and and bad like can you handle it yeah this there's a... something i would say like a, a, a real feature of ed kemper's personality and part of what makes him so scary is that he understands that he's able to put you at ease and make you forget that he's a serial killer because he's very calm and well-spoken and appears to have a lot of insight about what he's done and then he'll say something that it's like oh you really like making people feel bad yeah like this it's it's a it's a coffee mug, but this coffee mug is looking at me and just kind of going, does this bother you? Mm-hmm. Like, does this trouble you? And I resent it. Yeah. You know what? Now that I'm looking at this again, I do think that his handle bears a striking resemblance to the work of the master sculptor Rodon. Oh, yeah. I see it. It's very, like, roughly hewn, uh, sort of craggy mm. somewhere between Rodon and Ibanez <laughs> with just a little touch of like smarmy dad joke so his other two mugs that we posted in the discord one of them is colorful sort of 60s 70s like tessellations almost like really geometric shapes but then in the geometric shapes he's also spelled out I beg your pardon and then on the bottom of the mug it says I never promised you a rose garden just like the classic 1960s country hit I never promised you a rose garden by Lynn Anderson. The mug is also like deliberately misshapen. It's a dad joke, right? I never promised you a rose garden. I don't know how to make a mug. But the darker meaning is like, hey, man, like I never told you. I never promised you that I wasn't going to kill a bunch of people. Like for someone like this to be making a joke I like know. that is a uh, it's there's too much levity for um, the magnitude of his actions. Yes. Yeah, I think you're like beyond like Poe, but he's perfect. <laughs> and, and, like once you're in prison for like murdering your mother and fucking her skull, like yeah. Poe, but he's perfect no longer covers it. Yeah. Also, wasn't this one a gift for his prison psychiatrist? Uh-huh. This psychiatrist was one of the people who when he was incarcerated as a younger like a teen right that he was incarcerated 
uh, and then they let him go, and then he killed his mom. Right, he was deemed like, rehabilitated he's, after he's, killing like, his is, grandparents. This is the guy who who signed off on him being released back into the world, and then after he got caught again, he made a Poe Buddy's Nerfix mug <laughs> and mailed it to him, which is like, if it wasn't... Killed six a, girls, <laughs> then his mom's friend and his mom. yeah. Yeah. If this wasn't so grisly and awful, it would be hilarious. <laughs> that's that's like what's so troubling about it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Well, there's like, something mailing nobody's something... nerf. Yeah. Like, oops, <laughs> shouldn't have released me. Like, yeah, that's he kind like... of he regards himself as like a sitcom a sitcom character who's like done a few foibles. Yeah. Not as someone who <laughs> killed foibles. ten people. Not like we all mess up in life. Let's joke about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's an, the, another one, uh, similar, a similar sort of geometric, uh, abstract geometric pattern that says Tony, which was to his friend Tony. Uh, and it looks like a mug from one side, but then when you turn it, you can see it's only half a mug. And on the flat half where the rest of the mug is supposed to be, he has tiled, or I'm not sure exactly how he did this, if it's a glaze. It's really like geometric looking. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. It's how his it's budget made cuts are hell. So that's like another dad joke. Like budget cuts are hell and it's half a mug. I just feel like that kind of levity from um someone who used to like put girls in his trunk is uh, darker than if he had done art about his murders. Yeah, I don't I, I don't sanction his buffoonery in the words of Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, absolutely not. No. I think it's troubling cuz it is so lighthearted. Like we expect Mm-hmm. serial killers to make terrible art that are you know they we expect them to make terrible pencil drawings of like women with their heads cut off or whatever right like that's like yeah. there's that's what they do right that's their line of work but like <laughs> i don't know rustic town gift shop dad joke right it's just it's it's unnerving i think because we have to be like oh he's just like my dad or no he's not <laughs> But you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like right. we have to, we have to be like, oh, you know, that's kind of funny, and that, like, because your first reaction is like, oh, that's stupid or silly or what a dad yeah. joke, and you're like, oh yeah, Ed Kemper though. And so many like, serial killers like explicitly are trying not to humanize themselves. Like they they get off on the idea of you thinking of them as these like kind of terrifying super predators who are like great and terrible and and always a source of fear to you but ed kemper's whole thing is like so much more sinister than that because he, he what he wants you to think at first is like i'm just like you so that he yeah. can scare you into remembering that he's not just and that's what this guy. what this artwork does so it's very effective in being super scary it is super scary super scary if you have serial killer art that you know of and would like to share, or really um, art by any notable criminal, let's say. Or Jim Carrey. Or Jim Carrey, who is a criminal in my mind. Uh, join our Discord server. It's called Hot Boards. Boards has a Z. Um, anyone can join, and we have a art critique channel that you can put some art in. If um. you, like me, are scared of Discord, uh, let me explain it to you. I'm not scared of it anymore. <laughs> I was, and then I learned it's pretty much just a message board. So um, if you would like to return to the era of message boards and have a good time talking to fellow bimbets, join 
our Discord. You don't even have to download the app. You can look at it in your browser. It's like if AOL AIM and your guild on Neopets. Yeah, it's a lot like when I was on the AFI fan, <laughs> or, uh, AFI despair faction private message <laughs> boards for serious AFI fans, where I met a lot of friends who were a lot older than me, and then I talked to them on AIM, but not quite as scary. It's like just like one of the only places you can chat. Yeah, more or less. It's a place for gossip. Guys, we need more himbos. I built from with my with my big strong arms, I built this himbo corner. Uh, and I think I'm the only like himbo guy. Like I just wanna like hang out with some guys in my own little corner. So check it out. Check out come join, check out the himbo corner. We got we got a channel to talk about weights and shit, uh, your supplements. Yeah, me and Izzy aren't allowed in there. Yeah, they're not no, no, no no girls allowed, right? <laughs> mm. uh, we got um, himbo concerns. That's like uh, rashes, feelings, relations. Did you say feelings? Yeah, that's, you know, things that we can talk about safely without people like them um, judging us, right? Like rashes, your, your skin conditions. I've got this flaky dry skin patch like right underneath my right nostril and it's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Come talk about that with me. We could talk about weights supplements yeah i can talk about my feelings and how i feel isolated and alone and like i cannot be myself um we could talk about gamer shit come play sea of thieves with me come like let's let's hop into some cod let's let's get in the, let's get a bimbo summit among us game going you want to like hop AOC. into some cod the fish yeah that's why you don't get it anyway <laughs> I don't. That's why I'm not allowed. Talk about Adam Sandler. I personally don't care about that, but you guys can talk about oh, it. Sorry, I made that chat. Maybe that should be uh, not in the himbo corner. Stay out of my corner. <laughs> but himbo is 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 Dylan's corner, and I don't want to defile Dylan's corner. You're right. Stay out of my corner. <laughs> hey guys, come hang out in my corner. We can talk about hookah. We can talk about how much we hate freshmen. <laughs> We have a channel called Episode Suggestions, and our first suggestion was from a listener website who said, an episode where Dylan falls off a horse and gets amnesia. I'm game. Next time on Bimbo Summit, I fall off a horse and get amnesia, and Sarah and Izzy will try to explain to me what's going on. Now, a word from our sponsors. Shadow. What? Shadow. What's that? It's the shadow mattress. It's, it's barely, barely there. there. Shadow, lightly infused with vervain. Shh, where is it? Is my mattress whispering to me? Shh. Shadow. Dreams about the shadow man with no face are not our responsibility. Shadow mattress is single use only. How do you get it? Just put your ear to the ground and listen. Shadow. Thanks so much for listening to Bimbo Summit. And even though the gods are crazy. Even though the stars are blind. If you show me real love, baby, baby, I'll show you mine. I thought somebody else was going to keep it going, but I guess. (laughs) There's only three of us. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Go to bimbosummitpodcast.com to get all the links to our social media, an episode guide, and a link to join our Discord. Bye. 
I want my mattress to fill people with dread. <laughs> Love it. 